Welcome to A Cry for Kelp with me, Nick Woodhams, where I interview the movers and shakers of the seaweed industry. Today on the pod, I'm talking to Gail Baunek, the co-founder of Hatch, an investment firm in sustainable agriculture and alternative seaweed, that have just launched a new fund called the Blue Revolution Fund, which has a specific seaweed mandate. As well as investing, they also operate a consulting unit, a leading aquaculture news platform, and run innovation programs for startups around the world. Georg started his career working on genetically engineering bacteria and algae towards creating biofuels. He has gone on to found and co-found a number of agriculture-based startups in various countries, ranging from alternative meats to plastic cleanups, from clean energy to an angel investment syndicate. He has a degree in molecular biotechnology from Heidelberg University and a master's in management from the London Business School. We had a great chat about the seaweed landscape from an investor's perspective, what areas Hatch are focusing in on, what they look for in an entrepreneur, and where he'd like to see the industry go. So, let's chat to Georg. Good morning, Georg. Good morning, Nick. How are you doing today, sir? I'm excellent. Thank you very much. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you very much. And uh, I know that your time is precious. So let's throw ourselves deep into this conversation straight away. What started this journey for you? What motivated you to go into algae in the first place? Was it driven by fears of the climate crisis or was it destruction of oceans or a bit of both or completely something separate? Initially, when when I looked at algae, it was really a carbon, carbon question, really the the idea of replacing fossil fuels with biological um, derived sources of energy carriers, uh, replacements for plastics and so on. So there was a big hype around that a while ago where a lot of money went into the developments, especially for for, uh, algae and cyanobacteria to produce essentially oil or precursors of diesel. and, And that's yeah, that's what motivated me back then and where I spent some some years um, trying to support that development. And that was purely for uh, climate-related questions. Nice. But you obviously uh, evolved since then as, uh, as an academic and as an investor. And I would love to understand how Hatch came about and how it came into being in the first place. Right. So at some point I had to be honest to myself and say those biofuels are not going to hit the market anytime soon and also i'm probably not the right person to work on something for 20 years without it uh, being in the market so i went back i had a period where i worked with more conventional renewable energies so uh, solar energy photovoltaics in in africa but also, that was not really taking off, and and so I I said, hey, let's let's go back to my roots, and I really I grew up super passionate about fish, the oceans, and I said, seafood and aquaculture have a big role to play in the climate story, and this is something really meaningful for me to to work at. So that's that's when my thinking evolved towards uh, that I want to support innovations, support startups in the global aquaculture space. I see. 
And I get it totally. You are my hero in lots of ways. You're, you're doing the job that I would love to do. It sounds so exciting. And, and you're not just, as you say, you're not just in, about investing. You, The Hatch is, is is much more than that. You consult. You guys have got news platform. You're running innovation programs for startups. Um, and you're doing some studies, aren't you? There's a great study that I'd love to, you to give some some uh, oxygen around. There's a study you're doing with farms in the Far East, and then you're doing a study for, for the World Bank. Can you give us a bit of an idea of what's going on there? Right. So as part of Hedge, we also have a consulting unit. Yeah, foremost, we have our investment activities. But in in the, over the last couple of years, we've scaled a consulting unit. And two projects that you just mentioned um, are super exciting. One, we go to the farm, seaweed farms globally. Yeah, we pick the top six production countries. So China, Malaysia, Philippines, Indonesia, Japan, South Korea, and just visit the farms. Yeah, Just take a lot of pictures, ask a lot of questions, and then show this to the world. We've done something similar before, shrimp study, so very similar methodology. And it was really well received because in these industries where it's not so easy to go and visit or read up through reports, these very practical information from on the ground do help a lot. Other entrepreneurs, investors, even even governments um, to to get a feel for the industry. And and so that's something we're currently doing. Um, my my colleague Carlotta Rivas leading that and we with only one country left to to visit, and then we are able to to publish uh, this this study. The second study, the, the second study you mentioned, Nick, is um, is one that we do for the World Bank, where we look specifically at novel applications for for seaweed. So going beyond established and existing markets and looking into the those potential new applications and new markets and dividing those up between those that are maybe more short-term viable and those that are more long-term viable. Right. And did, did they approach you to you guys to do this? That's pretty cool to get the World Bank knocking on your door and saying, we like your style, guys, go and get, go and get us some data. Right, right. Um, and it's it's great. Yeah, like we are very specialized. And so it's it's awesome that we see that this very specific knowledge and those contacts that we have um, can be useful on such a for such an organization and the IFC is involved. And obviously, this report will then be shared quite a lot. And we hope that that it really helps to educate people on the seaweed industry um further yeah it's uh, this is the 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 problem isn't it this industry's got so much potential but that we've still got a lot of data to collect uh, on in many facets um and we also need to get the investment so i'd like to switch to, to that now you, you've made lots of investments through the investment arm of hatch and some of them are super interesting to me uh, specifically i i like the idea that you're utilizing there was one company uh, i saw there that is developing chemicals that they are making chemicals out of uh, micro algae and i'm wondering if that's something that will start to come into the macroalgae world that uh, I, I know that people are doing some sort of stuff like that but i'd love to get your take on that right so 
the um, we have a couple of microalgae companies in the in the portfolio, and obviously, microalgae they either need light or they need and uh, you could grow them without light and and photobioreactors. If the company you're referring to, Kunako Systems, they they grow them in photobioreactors, so without light, and that's a fairly controlled system that is good for um to to avoid um like any any um foreign strains coming in any any changes in the product quality yeah but the key always there is to to bring the cost down um so with these in this case the first component uh, component is sexantine Sexantine is something that's used in the in the feed market. Essentially, what makes your salmon or shrimp orange or, or pink. And there are fossil-based sources of that, and there are natural sources of that. But the natural sources are more expensive than the fossil uh, fuel-based sources. And with this technology, it looks like they will be able to offer to the market something that's natural at at the price of fossil uh, fuel based so that's, that's exciting exactly that's exciting in itself yeah i think transferring that to macroalgae macroalgae generally they don't grow in in controlled systems and um, definitely not when you compare it to to those bioreactors but the the principle of looking at what's in the biomass, how valuable is it? Where in the market is there really a need for it? And ideally, is it also an improvement over the state of state of the art right now? Yeah, so replacing fossil fuel based products with natural products is obviously, or in the in the eyes of most people, a good thing. Uh, so I think there's certainly something to 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 learn from the microalgae for for the microalgae. Yeah, it's really interesting. I do like the way that uh, there's just so many applications to to, to macroalgae, and, and I like to look at other examples of other industries, uh, adjacent industries, to see where where macroalgae could go. But I'd like to jump into the main meat of this conversation, which is the state of investment in the seaweed industry. I, I, and to start with, I'd like to get your take on what you've got this new fund out which is really exciting and uh i'd like to understand how you came up with you know what was what had happened in the market that you've noticed that meant that this it was the time was right for this this new fund right so when we started five years ago if i compare it to then yeah we we were pitching a very niche story around aquaculture seaweed was not very often a topic and nowadays for this second fund that you just mentioned yeah that we uh, we we just raised the seaweed is much more of or known generally in the uh, investor community and a motivator or people are motivated to invest in it and that's more the impact investing community yeah it's not the mainstream for for market rate return type of community but within the impact investing communities people are quite excited about seaweed and maybe even overly excited yeah but the 
Yeah. Generally, the benefits of seaweed, um, they make sense to people. And there has been just more awareness around the benefits um, of, of seaweed. So I think that changed. But also, of course, yeah, the macro, um, the macro trends change. The climate crisis is becoming even more um, urgent and on top of people's mind um, impact investing is becoming more dominant ESG investing yeah, is it's, it's becoming more mainstream so I think more and more investors are looking looking where can they deploy their capital in a in a meaningful way and then they come across these I would say more narratives uh, than anything else and they say oh if I could deploy my capital there that would be that would be meaningful to them. Um, the the topics of, for example, biodiversity or pollution removal benefits, those are not so dominant yet. They, I always think it's it's CO two or carbon first. Yeah, that's really the 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 biggest um, motivator for environmentally minded investors, and then all these other factors they you know, they come um, after that. Right. Okay. No, and that's and that's clear from, from my interviews so far that they're definitely secondary, even though they are, you know, almost as impactful, sometimes in some cases more impactful uh, benefits of, of growing seaweed. Um, what do you think, you know, when you look at the world, wh- which geographies do you think uh, I've got the best chance? I'm thinking just not just because they're great for growing uh, seaweed, but like, you know, that maybe the investment community there is, is more you know focused on it or that there is more government support or there's just a, a stronger tradition of working in the oceans. Is there anywhere in the world that you feel like, you know, are really flying ahead? Of course, we've already mentioned that the far east is streets ahead in terms of production of mass but i'm interested for more from your through the prism of an investor where would you where will you be investing i I think this is a super important or interesting question now on the one hand there's this very large established seaweed industry that's growing seaweed in some cases for generation i was just in in japan a few weeks ago and visited uh yeah about 12, um, 13 farms and the the depth of knowledge and, and tradition is incredible. Uh, and then you and you see a lot of um, seaweed in the ocean, yeah, seaweed farms. And then you go to, to Europe and in Europe, there's a lot of excitement, but it's a very young industry. I, w- I should say Europe and North America and maybe Australia as, uh, as well. Uh, but the farms are very small. So, but what what I learned is that despite the large size of the industry in in Asia, it doesn't mean that this translates immediately into an understanding of the potential benefits or impact. Um, yeah, so I I think there's much more happening in the in 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 north america and europe around investing in in seaweeds and thinking about new markets for seaweed than there is in 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 asia but from an investor perspective i'm very interested in the possibilities in asia uh, restructuring maybe some supply chains or um, bringing in new genetics new farming methods 
there's there's a lot that I could see that that could unlock quite a bit of growth and related benefits there. Um, if we talk about downstream processes and novel markets for for seaweed products, I though think that the the countries with the large large Uh, research budgets with the good institutions with the with the financial support structures with the impact uh, investing dollars are are yeah the better the better place to develop those and that would be again north america europe maybe maybe australia i see um Obviously, you know, we're not there yet with loads and loads of money going into this, into this sector still though. So what I'm interested, what do you need to see? What do you think investors in general need to see happen to the industry for more investment to flow into it? Like what are the current barriers do you think that make people a little bit nervous about it? Is it, is it, for example, data? Is there just not enough data on, on the value of it or, or something else? Yeah. So first, one thing that always helps is is a strong track record yeah success stories essentially if there would be cases of where seaweed companies scaled and delivered returns to investors um in a like in a let's say in a very visible way way yeah compared maybe to some of the alternative protein companies that scaled quickly listed and yeah, investors could follow that journey um, that that gets more investors excited obviously but I would say we're not at this stage so this is currently not um, not or well, not near term to get more more dollars into the space then a simple story is is great to to like to to motivate in investors so for example carbon capture potential of seaweed yeah but as soon as you then uh, speak to or as soon as the investors then speak to other people they they they're not sure about the potential really yeah and so more data yes but also more clarity in 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 general yeah very simple rules to follow maybe on 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 how to get these additional benefits when investing in in this in this Makes space. Sense. Yeah, I get it. I think uh, so. You, but 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 it would be amazing if there was a hit, wasn't it? If there was one that had just been got you to the n- number one, and then that would just sort of chill investors out and know that there's serious potential there. Um, and that's you know, we're not there yet, unfortunately. But uh, how far away are we from a from a hit? And uh, by hit, I mean something that's obviously. I don't know. There's there's been a big exit, or it's been even an IPO, or something like that. Is that what you consider a hit, or, or is it is a bit more nuanced than that? I do think, Nick, we're not. Um, I I don't see that happening anytime soon. To 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 be honest, yeah. And I've seen it maybe in the aquaculture industries as well that these things take time. Yeah, it it like those companies even when they're really successful it's never walk in the park and they they still have a few years um to to then return money to their investors so i don't that's why i'm saying i don't think this is a short term fix um for the industry to uh, to hope that someone will 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 show soon that that this is 
let's say, very profitable or very impactful from an investor perspective. I think that needs needs more time. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, and we all look with we're watching with bated breath for, for 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 those hits to come, but they need to come in a sustainable manner, don't they? Um, so let's just dive into some of the things you you are looking at and investing in at the moment. Uh, so where what are the gaps in the market or the value chain that you are currently focused on that maybe don't get as much press as everybody thinks? So I'm thinking, you know, I don't know, is there anything in AI? Is there anything in blockchain stuff? You know, is, is there anything in just in simple kind of more uh, I don't know, mandrolic things like mooring designs and like that. What what are you kind of excited about? Yeah, um, I think it it needs to be at the end of the day connected to to real value to to a customer, right? That's that's entrepreneurship. Um, so I'm I do think obviously that the the concept of a by refinery is is important and we've seen that in in other industries yeah that if you grow biomass you want to optimize the value of that biomass so you have to develop different product streams that then give you the total revenue for for your um for your product and or for your initial biomass and optimizing that is 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 going to be very very important for this industry. I don't think it makes necessary sense to grow seaweed only for one specific compound. And the more or the better the biorefinery processes are, I think the larger the scale can also be. And the more we can look at maybe more commodity markets where, where seaweed could go into uh, but that's that's maybe still some some time out. So this is one. And then the if if I look in especially in into the warm water species in in Asia, I think those supply chains are very very rudimental. They they rely on um, on not optimal genetics air yeah, seed uh, seed quality this can certain or should certainly be be improved some sort of different maybe model that you would see in in other production industries like some integrator model but i also think then on the on the downstream processes in terms of the what the processing of the of the seaweed and the aggregation of of those products, I think there's there's a way to to disrupt that. And I've seen that, for example, in the shrimp industry, that those software companies, once they work with a lot of farmers, they have then the power to also aggregate the product, and that then gives volume to think about new markets for it. That's that's certainly something I see. I don't think that necessarily the growout systems or the mooring systems they that there's there's such a step change benefit from from it. Yeah, we've seen some some stuff um, like two dimensional farming substrates, for example. But I I would think before we would go there, we would rather invest in restructuring supply chains or or the biorefinery processes or maybe genetics but genetics from an investor perspective are also really not easy 
that sounds that's really tough. But that's a really interesting take on it and, and how you look at it. So you don't really there's no like little interesting niche products that you see. It's it's it, the, the, these are products that will potentially help. Sorry, products or services that help the macro industry. You're not looking at sort of thing that wouldn't necessarily help one farm. It would it would need to be on a big scale. Have have potential to be on a big scale. Which makes sense. Yeah. Right. I, I think that's our job, yeah. right? Like and it doesn't mean yeah. that these other things are not 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 viable or don't make sense and or even from an investment perspective, yeah. But we want to see uh, things that that can on a make really either systematic change, yeah, or on a from a scale perspective are are um are large. I do think there are very interesting potential applications for for seaweeds and obviously if you if you follow the news there's almost every day a new new startup popping up or a new potential application for seaweed but often we are no experts in those markets and so we we can't we can't easily judge how viable those are so maybe not so much where we like I think we will invest in something like that in the future as well. Yeah, but it just takes a little bit more time for us to to get comfortable. There. That's understandable. But I just remember one of the startup mantras that I've heard before is you know do things that don't scale. Uh, for, for if you're a founder, so first, just because in so doing you sort of start to work out really well what what is needed, and then you find the really cool hit hacks that, that 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 do allow people to to scale up whatever they're doing, their service or their product, but. I get it from your point of view. You know, the, the money's not sort of flowing in uh, on mass, so you can't speculate on small things yet. They need to show their potential. Yeah, their and, and don't get me, Nick. Exactly. I don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, hey, you have to come and pitch like this is like the next billion dollar company. No, no, for sure not. Yeah. Uh, um, it's it's certainly and actually that's something I would say I see quite a bit in in the seaweed industry. There are a lot of people that are really motivated by doing something good yeah that that have very admirable motivations and sometimes they'll see that the the solutions are solutions to maybe global problems or conceptual problems but they are not necessarily a solution for a specific customer and so yeah. in the first place is exactly what you said in the first place it needs to be a pro- there needs to be a product market fit. Yeah, there needs to be someone that says, "Yes, I need that product versus another product." Yeah, and I'm willing for to pay for it. And and that that's that's the one on one on of entrepreneurship. Yeah, to 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 establish that. And only after that, there there's the question. Then okay, what can the scale be? How do we get there? How do we finance it? Makes sense. Um, and let's just talk about we haven't got long, but bottlenecks. What do you think? It, it, there are bottlenecks all over this industry, and, and in different ge- geographies, uh, different companies. Sorry, different countries, different policies, and things like that. Is there anything that you're looking at investing in that are maybe going to reduce these bottlenecks? Right, I, I think that's that's like initially I referred to that as a double chicken and egg problem in a in a sense. Yeah, like you you go. I like it. Like <laughs> you, you go to the to the farmers they like they for novel applications at least they say hey um, there's not really a market for this type of seaweed that i can can grow yeah um the that has the 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 
the processing bottleneck there in a sense, yeah, like what to do with the seaweed. If you go to someone working on processing technologies, they say, yeah, but I don't have the the volume on the and the reliability of the input streams. So that's that's almost a double, or for me, that's a double chicken and egg uh, from from supply to processing to to market, and that's where why I'm also interested to see how to work with existing biomass in Asia. Uh, that takes at least one of those um, chicken and egg problems. Yeah, that's fascinating stuff. I like it. I like it a lot. And I totally get that sort of rationale. Um, I'd like to ask you about your predictions. I want your positive hat, if I may. Positive hat on what the, your predictions for the next sort of 10 years or so of the seaweed industry, both Europe, Asia, just around the world. Where are you thinking things are going to really spike and what do you think is going to happen? Positive predictions would be that really the, the, the community that's already getting established in for the seaweed industry yeah? and nick it's it i can compare it to the other activities that we work in seaweed is right now the most sexy topic yeah like we we had some other things that we've worked on or are working on but seaweed is is currently at this at this point on the curve of of um like excitement and and growth and i hope that more capital will be available more smart people will go into it obviously policy and governance uh, governments need to play their their role as well but especially for north america europe australia new zealand yeah that there's that more farms are um are coming up they managed to get to critical mass um unlocking additional downstream processes and for the seaweed industry as a whole, yeah, it's 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 established in food and uh, food ingredient markets, but that these new applications for it they crystallize which ones make the most sense, yeah, and then yeah. then resources yeah. are put behind scaling those that make sense, and that those that don't make sense that's also fine, yeah, like then they everyone needs to be be realistic and say okay that didn't work but let's focus on those that that do work yeah like the biofuels i think that the impression i'm getting at the moment is biofuels did look like this amazing opportunity for macroalgae but actually it's it's not at the moment it's not looking that way right and often it's a timing question yeah you might be too early yeah, yeah. and it's something that 10 years later with new technology being available or or the supply chains looking different might be might be viable again so then let's work on those things that are now viable or in the medium um, term viable let's work on those yeah that's cool um so you get pitched a lot i imagine what do you hope entrepreneurs know before they come and pitch you guys what do they know about the industry before they come and pitch you right most importantly always is that there is an actual need for what they offer and that it's not just a conceptual idea or like something they do out of general motivation but something where there's actually a need and with this industry not being so in a sense like it's not happening near the 
big cities, yeah, it's not so easy to get onto farms. I, I obviously want entrepreneurs to know their stuff in in terms of what what these the 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 farms look like, the supply chains look like, um, which I I think is not easy, but it's it's needed if you if you wanna scale a business in the space. Yeah, indeed. I have uh, I have dreams, go that I'm going to spend uh, uh, six months at some point in my life working on a seaweed farm just to to really fully understand it before I go and start my amazing multi billion dollar company. I think that's great. That's that that's that to see that someone doing that I think is 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 means a lot. Yeah, and you get then only then I think you really get a feeling for what it means. For example, the operational difficulties yeah or the importance of the water quality or um, certain biological issues that the farmers are uh, are faced with and when you work there for a few months and it becomes a like a, a natural understanding of those things yeah indeed, indeed. and you know it's associated with that but uh, it's something i think for all investors need to look at the entrepreneur themselves i mean she or he may need to have certain qualities what do you think those qualities are for for for, for you from from hatch's perspective what do you want to see from your entrepreneurs that's that's a tough question yeah because everyone yeah, yeah, yeah it says sorry, sorry. <laughs> no no it's 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 a good question Nick. yeah it's it's obviously you want entrepreneurs to be extremely driven towards towards what they want to achieve almost to the extent that we look at them and we think you're a bit crazy yeah or um you're almost a bit arrogant the way you come across because for you there's only one option which is this is going to succeed if you yeah. combine that with a very analytical with a with a realistic mindset and saying but these are the challenges that i need to overcome in order to get there and this is how i'm trying to approach them that's already a really important uh, trade and then of course we they need to scale companies this is about people uh, are they able to to lead teams grow teams think about how they have to evolve as as leaders over over time are they are they coachable? Yeah, this is also important to us. Um, and then it's difficult, though, isn't it? If they're really arrogant, if they really think they've got they're, they're, they're the the man or the woman, then they're quite hard to coach, I imagine. Right, exactly. Yeah, sometimes that can be a problem. And to be honest, I'm <laughs> I'm still not sure what's better. Yeah, like you you see some of these stories. Sometimes they go really wrong. Sometimes they go pretty pretty well. Uh, yeah, in in other in other fields where where there are uh, entrepreneurs that that scale companies and you 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 see their personalities and um, you really wonder how it is to work for them to work with them. Um, yeah, and and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So that's the almost the holy grail for us <laughs> in terms of picking picking those entrepreneurs. Well, there you have it, guys. If you've got the idea. And now you just check yourself against those uh, that checklist from Gail and see what you think, and then give him a bell. I'm sure he'll he's got the time to 
to take a look at any interesting idea in the market. Gareth, this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep investing as much as you can to this industry. And I'm sure the industry will bear fruit for you and the, and the team over at Hatchblue. Thanks so much for your time, sir. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for, for what you do. Thanks for having me.